0: It's Monday, December 19th, 2016, and you are listening to episode 61 of Roll Up and Die. This is actually, this point is going to be where the episode starts, right here. Right here. This is all the music is fading away. Yeah. All the, the guitar, electric guitars are kind of fading, and we're entering into the podcast time, <laughs> and uh, the people I can don't... hear
1: it now. I can hear it in my mind's eye. Don't you, can, my my, you can in my mind's ear. Well, the music has stopped now, it's gone now.
0: Oh It's been gone oh. for a little while. I hate to break your heart there, Matt. Oh: Yeah.
1: man, I was way off. I Said. was in a totally different headspace than you were. Well, I, I, the reason I, I, I
0: say that or make a point of it is that the people... The people who are listening are, are about to experience a new kind of roll up and die format, and uh, and some Matt rapping because Matt's a really yeah. good rapper. I don't know if you guys knew that.
1: I I did not uh, know I did. that. I actually was also not aware of that. So that's <laughs> really know. oh man <laughs> yeah. No, Check yourself out <laughs> on Bandcamp. I don't know what on Bandcamp. Oh my god, on Bandcamp. <laughs> <laughs> I have a. Uh, I actually have a uh, MySpace for my rapping endeavors.
0: Oh a MySpace.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's What would your rapper name be? Uh, it'd be... I uh, like that. That's that's It'd be it. like Prince, you know when Prince that's changed right. his name to a yeah, symbol yeah. and he was the artist like formerly that. known as? It'd be like yes. that, but it'd be like, hey man, have you heard the new ah, album? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. But it. But it wouldn't be like, it couldn't be
0: something that you'd listen to in a club because he'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for...
2: He's from he's with Aha, but they broke up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: boy. Oh jeez. Oh, oh geez. bananas. Well, hey, how was your guys' Thanksgiving, man? We haven't recorded since then. We haven't reco- We haven't talked since Thanksgiving? Yeah. I don't think we have, have it's we? Been a while. No, we haven't. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh
0: you guys go first.
1: Uh, I spent my Thanksgiving um, away from my friends and my family. My uh, yeah. my wife and I decided to spend Thanksgiving weekend uh, out in a cabin, uh, out in the wilderness of Forks, hunting. Washington. Yeah, hunting <laughs> vampires, um, <laughs> and uh, we had an awesome weekend, man. It yeah. was it, I've I've never just decided to just spend the holiday away from uh my friends and family but it was kind of yeah. nice to uh just get away for a little bit yeah. and um yeah. we brought uh we brought some microwave stuffing and some instant mashed potatoes <laughs> and a couple of uh chicken breasts that I had cooked in the slow cooker before we left and i nice. put together a pretty awesome little uh thanksgiving feast in the uh, in the <laughs> tiny like electric two burner stove in that cabin
2: that's so awesome, so, so it was kind of like yeah. a post apocalyptic larp
1: It was – that's absolutely what it was. It's post-apocalyptic LARP Thanksgiving in Forks, Washington, surrounded by vampires and werewolves. Perfect. I think I told you this Forks
0: story, Matt. I don't know if I told Alex. Stop me if I've said it on the episode or on any episode of the show. But we've been to Forks, Washington, and it's a very interesting town now that, you know, Mm -hmm. Twilight's out. I mean, there's a a Twilight-themed coffee shop inside the hardware store. Like, everything's Twilight. (laughs) Yeah. Wow and so but but heather uh, Heather's read the books and we went to Forks, and we were because we were going to a place called Cape Flattery, which is Cape Flattery, yeah, that's what it's called. Um, yep. Uh, it's like the most <laughs> northwestern point of Washington. And we go to Forks, and we, we're at, we see the Welcome to Forks sign, and we pull over, and it's like, all right, got to take a picture of my wife in front of the Welcome to mm. Forks sign so she can send it to her sister, and you know, we're going to just t- tour Forks. We're going to tour all the Twilight stuff. Why not? Uh, and, and she's a big fan. So we're waiting for another couple to take their picture, right? This guy. He turned out to be kind of I think he was German But I always pretend he's Russian Because I don't really know a German accent But he's holding this camera (laughs) He's holding this camera And he's taking a picture of his fiancee Or significant other Standing next to the Welcome to Forks Washington sign And she's just smiling so big And he takes the picture And she begins walking back And he looks to me with the bleakest face And he says (laughs) And he says Well I guess I'll see you at the next sign, and he just <laughs> walks walks away, gets in his car. They get in their car and drive off, and that was probably, that was the best moment uh, of oh the gosh. vacation for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Forks yeah, is a cool amazing. little town, man.
1: It is. It is. Um, if <clears throat> you've ever spent any time on the on the uh, Washington Peninsula, it is mm-hmm. so rainy. Like when people think, oh, it's it rains all the time in Seattle. It's like. Well, it rains sometimes in Seattle. It rains all the time on the on the peninsula. Like that's where <laughs> yeah. the rain dumps before it oh, goes yeah, across sure. the Puget Sounds. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just constant, and it's a lot of it too. So it's pretty crazy.
2: I get it now. You said you're surrounded by vampires and werewolves. I get it now. I, oh, <laughs> I, I I had I've never seen the movies or read the books or any of that stuff. So I, oh, it just clicked. Like oh, God. yeah, that's, that's that, where that that's joke. where they're set, man. The forks, Washington. I missed the yeah. Joke. Okay.
0: That's Sorry. it. There's a uh, yeah. There, there's a place. There are a couple towns that they go through in Twilight. Like there's a place called Port Townsend, which is just east of Forks, and you can yep. go there and eat like mushroom ravioli or whatever Bella ordered at the restaurant or whatever. <laughs> dude, there everybody's just cashing in, bro. Cashing oh, yeah. in. Yeah,
1: I know. And the, we ate at this restaurant that had a thing that was like the. It said. Um, Va- like treaty line no vampires allowed beyond this point and stuff like that and wow. there was a whole gift shop in the in the actual town of forks that is all twilight themed and mm-hmm. it's funny because you got to wonder now that the twilight sort of like thunder has sort of died down like people mm-hmm. you know the movies are done and the books that you know the books have all come out and stuff yeah like you wonder like how much how much tourist like Mm. activity do they really get based around twilight anymore yeah Yeah. i can't imagine that it's a ton
2: yeah it it doesn't have quite the staying power of like a a harry potter or like Mm -hmm. lord of the rings something like that there are people going to be going to like hobbiton in new zealand for like you know millennia oh yeah but absolutely yeah i don't know if this is going to hang on quite that long yeah another
0: another example of that is for our um honeymoon in August of 2012, we went to Belize and Guatemala and we saw the, the, the Mayan ruins oh, nice. and, um, and just great pyramids and just really amazing stuff. And it was just so busy because it was right before 2012, like the, the, the oh, Mayan right, calendar right. ending. Right. And it makes me think like those people were probably just again, cashing in everybody working, defending oh, sure. everybody, <laughs> yep. in, making money. And it makes me feel kind of bad for them now. Cause I'll bet you that tapered off
2: real quick.
0: <laughs> Real quick like there Everyone was like Nope world didn't end
2: Mayans suck Ain't going yeah. back one, one, one poor guy like You know made made a fake May- Mayan calendar Like a new one It's like oh, No it was 2020 oh, It was a mistake no, yeah, <laughs> This is the new one I just found this In my basement
0: That's it man And they sell them for nine ninety nine in the gift shop And now Another
2: bedtime story From your old pal Captain Gothnum I was listening to The audio book Of the Dark Tower series uh, By Stephen King Have you guys Read it all? Oh yeah. Oh, one of yeah, my favorite so book series of all time. I've never read it. At one point in the books, they end up in our world. Um oh, cool. in Maine. And and, and they're um, they're going to this very spe- they're going to a specific town for a specific reason. I won't get into details to spoil it too much, but they come to this intersection and they're describing it and as I'm listening to this audiobook and I'm driving and I realize I'm at that intersection. Oh, oh wow. man! Just as they come to it in the story, that is
0: amazing.
2: <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shit myself if, if <laughs> I see them like, across, across then, the intersection at the other side.
1: And then <laughs> Roland walked into his friend Alex's right. house. At Alex's house,
2: <laughs> and, and and Matt Matt will probably get, you know get the. Uh, the meaning of that even more so because of the nature of the books you know because oh, totally.
1: of, the, of, yeah, totally. of the way they interact oh, yeah.
2: with reality yeah, it's, yeah so yeah it was.
0: <laughs> I like it when neat things happen like that like uh, you're listening to Riders on the storm and it starts to rain like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, every once in a while you just have like weird coincidences that are, that are just
1: kind of fun like that
0: and yeah, like, like us it. getting a good segue for our actual
2: topic of what we're going <laughs> to talk about
1: <laughs> which is just <laughs> it's never going to happen
2: WARNING the following content may disturb you. Yeah.
0: They say if you have to explain the joke, it's less funny. But uh, I disagree, so I just explain all my jokes.
1: <laughs> that's, I actually I appreciate that. I,
0: you know, it's clair- clarity and transparency yeah. are, I believe, my final forms. My two final forms. Mm-hmm. Those are your virtues. Oh, <laughs> those are my two virtues. Yeah. Clarity mm-hmm. and transparency, which I think that's a little bit
1: redundant. Right, I think so too. <laughs> Do you think I think so? having those as your two virtues—if <clears throat> you only have two to pick—is I, I think you could branch out. It's out kind of a waste. One. It's like yeah, you're you you maxing on my virtues. You've wasted yeah, one. You're, yeah, you're min-maxing <laughs> on your virtues. Exactly. Welcome,
0: everybody, to Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. Says me.
1: My name is Barker, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice,
2: and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog.
0: And today we are talking about something that we actually haven't even brought up in the segue or in the banter or whatever. We're we're not talking about vampires, contrary. We're not talking about Stephanie Meyer or Twilight. uh, And we're not talking
1: about the weather. Uh, We're actually talking about dwarves. I absolutely love dwarves. Ever since I was a kid and uh, my dad read The Hobbit, I just, I loved the dwarves. I thought they were so cool and funny. They like cracked me up. And uh, sort of like growing up, And watching the Lord of the Rings movies and then starting to play D&D, they've remained one of my favorite sort of, uh, like, core, like, fantasy races. Um, Yeah. They're, you know, very sturdy and hardy and sort of stubborn and gruff, uh, but they're also very skilled craftsmen and warriors, and they have these, uh, you know, intense sort of... uh, memories they never they never forget they never forgive they hold these crazy grudges and i just think that dwarves are very distinct uh they're a really great foil to elves uh you know there's if you have like on the on the spectrum of fantasy races you know you have elves on one end and dwarves in the other and humans are kind of like smack dab in the middle there i just think that dwarves are really cool and they have they have a lot of really sort of evocative sort of Core, but they have very evocative virtues, Barker, very core aspects of them that you can sort of uh, skew and clarity and transparency uh, that you can kind of use to your benefit to create really unique sort of dwarven cultures that are uh, cool and new and fresh but still have that dwarven feel that you're looking for. Mm. See, maybe that's the
0: the thing, the the key there, is new and fresh. Because dwarves, that's easy to do like it's been done and and that's not a problem Mm -hmm. because dwarves are dwarves are dope dwarves are really cool and i i love dwarves but you know if you're really going for an originality thing i think it's a little bit more difficult than i think other races
1: oh totally yeah and i think that you know there are lots of different ways that you can do that in your world to make them new and make them kind of fresh and i think that you know, just taking one of those core sort of aspects that people all know about dwarves and just mm-hmm. twisting it a little bit. If only there was
0: like a podcast for people to listen to that would give them <laughs> ideas of how. Yeah, to do if this. you have
1: if you if the <laughs> listeners if the listeners of this podcast have any recommendations yeah, for podcasts that we can we, listen to that would that would do that, um, definitely awesome. let us know for sure.
0: To me, and I want to direct a, a question <clears throat> towards Alex. I love yeah. putting you on blast, Alex. I just sure. love just being like, here's a random subject, shotgun to the face.
2: I'm, I'm, I've, I tightened up. I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you up. Uh, up.
0: What, like I mentioned before, I, I find that they're, they're, they're always, always done in a way that is kind of stereotypical. Yeah. But I, if I want to spice them up, if I want to gothnog my dwarves, like, what do you do? How do
2: you, how do you make it?
0: Uh, how do you take, your, do you take <laughs> your dwarves and you bring them to the next level?
2: Wow. Yeah. And 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 that's really the hard part because so many people have been influenced. And and let's face it, the dwarves are primarily based on Tolkien. At least the, yeah. the ones that are in D and D. Yeah. So you know that that that's really the template that that you're that you're kind of starting with. And it was kind of funny because when you know the the new Hobbit movies came out and and they first came out with that first like uh, group picture of the new dwarves, and and mm-hmm. and I, I like w- I like winced. I'm like, ah, no, what what what? Those aren't dwarves, you know. Those, those aren't dwarves. Those some, guys are sexy. A couple of them are, but some of them just aren't <laughs> dwarves. They've got no are makeup, sexy. you know. Like, and and, yeah. and it, it just it just it it tweaked me. But that's. But I think that's part of the part of the thing with dwarves is that you know we have this sort of one image of them and 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 it sticks and it's really hard yeah. to sort of break out of that so you really have to try to to make them something new without making them you know like something else you know you st- like yeah, like yeah. you' were saying you still want to keep that that kind of dwarven feel to them you know they're strong nice. solid grounded uh um stubborn have that have that kind of yeah. thing so you know how do you and, and, and a lot I think a lot of that, just like any creature or uh, culture on earth, um, move them to a new environment, yeah. you know Ooh. Uh, rather than just sticking them you know in, in a mountain, which is typically where they are in Tolkien, you know yeah, mm-hmm. you know put them someplace else. You know, yeah, in, the sky, really in, the, in, in the sky,
0: in the yeah. aquatic yeah, yeah. dwarves.
2: Because the minute you put them somewhere else, then you have to, then you you kind of forced to rethink. It's like, well, well, they're not, they can't they can't be miners in the ocean. You know, <laughs> what? Yeah, you, these are these are you know uh, sailing dwarves. What are they like? You know, now yeah, you're forced yeah, to sort exactly. of think outside the box. So once you or maybe they a, are miners in the ocean because that's the only way they can get right, the right. resource or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, but what, you know, maybe they mine salt, so they they somehow harvest salt from the ocean. Who knows? But um, that's good. Yeah. But once you put them in a new environment, then you sort of have to think about them in a different way. And I think that's the, that's kind of the best way to sort of break them out of that uh, that you know under the mountain mold. That yeah, you they something.
0: aren't they aren't dwarves. But uh, I know Matt and I have talked about this. But the, what the elves from what's that? Campaign setting, um, the post-apocalyptic D&D like, uh, fantasy oh, setting. The, oh, what? Uh, the dark, dark Sun? The Dark Sun. Dark Sun, dark sun. Dark yeah. sun yeah. yeah. The elves in that are a, another great example of yeah. taking a, a race that's you know a forest elf and being like, no, these, these are kind of like Mad Max desert elves yeah. <laughs> that will just raid everything you've got. And that's mm, a whole yeah. different brand of elf that we've sure. seen. I mean, I, we haven't seen something like it since I mean, mytho- actual elf mythology. Like that's, yeah. Uh, ferocious.
1: Well, something so th- Alex brought up a great point and I think, you know, this applies to any fantasy race putting them in a new environment, but I mm-hmm. think yeah. for some reason it works even better with dwarves because mm-hmm. dwarves are creatures of the earth right yeah. they're like yeah. they're creatures that sort of resemble where they live like dwarves are sort of like mountains you know they're just mm-hmm. they're kind of like they're broad and they're sturdy mm-hmm. and they're sort of they have craggy faces you know and their disposition is sort of matching with that and they work the earth and they create tools and things like that yeah and i think that you know instantly when you put a dwarf somewhere else like let's take the example of putting them on the ocean like alex said it's like okay What do they mine if they mine? How do they create their tools? You know, Mm -hmm. do they still craft? What are they using Mm -hmm. to craft? And what sorts of things do they make? And so it's sort of, I don't know. I think it works a little bit better for dwarves just because they are so closely tied to the earth itself and Mm -hmm. their surrounding environment. And I think that just putting them in a new place really kind of... Inst- instantly freshens them up a little bit
2: well and it was pretty early on in D&D that they sort of separated the elves into the you know the high elves and the wood elves and and yeah. so that they had, they already kind of began to, to make that sort of differentiation so you could you could have these elves in different places and yeah. so it was easy it was an easier transition to go to the to the Mad Max desert elves um, yeah. yeah whereas dwarves are just like always underground, always in the mountain, always mining, mm-hmm. always, yeah. you know, forgers. You know, they, they, they have that, that really kind of hard stereotype built into them. And not that you can't yeah. have those in your world, but, you know, at some point, you know, the elves have, uh, sorry, the dwarves have spread. So now they're doing other things. So, yeah. You know. yeah.
0: yeah, And I always, um, you know, I always take, jump into the hill dwarves, you know, because yeah. you have the little subclasses of dwarves. You know, if you like the idea of having Rock dwarves, or you know, mountain dwarves, which which I I have in my setting. I mean, I for <coughs> yeah. sure, absolutely. I mean, that's that's cool. But you know, take a look at the hill at the hill dwarves and spice them up to really because if you spice them up, then it'll it'll make the just regular old mountain dwarves even more special. If you know that these um, uh, hill dwarves are based around like a. a, a, a Middle Ages, Middle Eastern type mm-hmm. of society, or yeah. something different like yeah. that. you know something. Yeah,
1: like the, the hill dwarves are riding around on camels, like yeah, in, exactly you know, nomadic tribes or whatever. So then it's what? like they, they they sort of offset the mountain dwarves who are staying put in their you know mountain cities or whatever. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, see, um, the dwarf, the hill dwarves in Circeleen wear kilts and live mm-hmm. in longhouses. Uh, this right. is yeah. these. I, I just culture mashed everything in, of course, <laughs> but that's what you do uh th- like I, I i thought that that kind of it spiced them up a little bit in my mind <laughs> and that made me excited yeah yeah definitely yeah.
2: definitely well just even talking about it I, it made me think like well if you have ocean if you have dwarves of the sea they don't necessarily have to be on the surface what if they're completely you know uh uh you know aquatic where they yeah. they, they they have these you know uh underwater machines like you know like submarines and and uh uh yeah they're completely you know submerged they don't they don't they don't come to the surface so there's still sort of this They're they're still sort of underground but in this case just underwater you know
1: yeah yeah no i love that i love that
0: yeah Um, that is awesome i I like that idea too and i I I like the idea of sailing dwarves
2: Mm -hmm.
1: oh yeah yeah. i know i love that i really like that idea and like what you know thinking about what dwarven ships would look like and stuff like that like how they would board other ships and things like that it brings up yeah. a lot of interesting interesting ideas for sure
2: well and also how it would change their appearance as well you know oh, totally imagine yeah. you know imagine dwarves who are you know maybe they're not quite as broad as as they under under mountain cousins you know maybe maybe they're a little bit leaner you know maybe they have uh, uh lighter hair maybe they don't maybe they don't you know have the same type of beards you know maybe they have something else i mean just you know really think about them in different ways don't just totally. stick to the you know the the standard template definitely Yeah. another sure. thing oh. that's
1: like oh. fairly uh common in fantasy settings is to see the dwarves as being a like dwindling mm-hmm. race like mm-hmm. you never really see the dwarves sort of in their prime yeah. but it's always like in uh in lord of the rings and even things like um i mean even forgotten realms and uh, like, Dragon Age and things like that. Like, the dwarves are on their way out. They're, like, in their mm-hmm, yeah. last age. Humanity's coming up. Yeah. The elves are kind of piecing out, and the dwarves are like, man, we used to be super awesome, but we, <laughs> you know, we sort of dug too d- too greedily and too deeply and sort of after ourselves over. It's weird. I don't know over. if you've heard that
0: before, but a lot of dwarves <laughs> do that.
1: <laughs> they do it, man. It's so in our blood. So I think that, like, thinking about what if the dwarves of my world are in a different age? Yeah. Maybe they're... Just sort of breaking into the greater world yes. sort of arena, or maybe they're in their prime. Maybe there's yeah. cities stretching, you know, th- the, mm-hmm. the the width and breadth of the world beneath the earth, with the dwarves just in their prime, just sure. raking in the gold. I mean, yeah, that's that's that's, awesome. that's kind of an interesting thing to do as well. Well, e- well even in the Kea, Hobbit, the
0: ma- the
2: Mount. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going well, to say, even in the Hobbit, they sort of made you know, kind of showed a little bit of that when they showed Erebor before the dragon. And you, yeah, and you, and you saw this huge, thriving city with, you know, these, yep. these deep, deep shafts and just lined with dwarves mining these these, these uh, rivers of gold, and it's just awesome. And of course, you know, being a, uh, interested in blacksmithing, I, I love the, the scenes with the smiths where, you know, oh, it just yeah. kind of holds up the, the 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 hot piece of metal, and these two massive hammers come boom, smashing together. Mm-hmm.
1: I love you that. <laughs> and then there's the six dwarves like all <laughs> yeah. using the same anvil with their hammers. It's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: that is incredible.
1: So, but, I, 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 it's, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like <clears> that—that that sort of stuff is is really neat, and it's like if mm-hmm. I don't know, it's having the dwarves be in their prime in your setting yeah. instantly kind of makes them a little bit different because the the sort of like dwindling dwarves or like the dwarves that keep getting knocked down where it's yeah. like their cities keep getting <laughs> taken over by orcs and goblins and giants and things like that and it's like yep. you know what have you saw, what have you saw the dwarves before all of that you know happened and they and they were mm-hmm. sort of still holding all of their all of their cities and things what like would that. the it world look like you know yeah exactly I think I think the thing. dwarves would be like the the movers and shakers of the world if that were the case oh, because yeah. they're they're sort of like you know they have the the monopoly on Resources and tools and weapons and all that. Yes, kind of stuff. right,
2: right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. steel is 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 what drove civilization. You know, basically mm-hmm. for the for yeah, it, it still drives it. You know, having those exactly. kind of resources, so the dwarves would have the the yeah, not, maybe not the monopoly, but certainly the uh, the, the lion's share of that. Man, but what really. If-
1: <clears throat> Sorry, so it, I just—I r- have a cool idea. I have. A oh, cool go ahead, idea. do it. Shout I, I, out, I, I, what, what if, what if, what if the dwarves in your setting are the arms dealers to all the other cultures? Like, what if, like <laughs> the army, the army with dwarven steel wins the war, and so you have the the dwarves who are not <clears throat> necessarily warriors themselves, but are <clears throat> supplying all of the other armies in the world no, that's when, yeah. with that's weapons. When you
0: describe in the middle of the battle. You describe uh, the the sword that your character is is fighting with clashes against another sword that's the exact same because it was it had been distributed <laughs> yeah. to both sides
1: yeah has the same brand yeah. on it and everything they're like hey wait a minute
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure I, I I'm really I'm really inspired by that idea that you you mentioned Matt the uh, starting it in their prime mm-hmm. and, you know yeah. and, I, and I talked a little bit about the NK dwarves but the, the mountain dwarves are in their prime but these ones that are hill dwarves are not. They're before Prime. They're like colonial, like first peoples type of dwarves. Right, right. Yeah. And And it, it immediately spices them up a little bit because they're working towards something and not just kind of a fleeting memory. Because you're right. When you think about dwarves, God, you're, it's always like, oh man, oh, dwarven ruins. Oh, those dwarves, they were great <laughs> once. But it's like, we don't really get to see it.
1: And I, and yeah. I wish we could. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's like if you look at um, like the Elder Scrolls series, like the dwarves are extinct. You can go yep. into their ruins and see the mm-hmm. the awesome machines and like cities of gears and stuff that they made, but you never actually meet a dwarf because they're they're dead and have been dead for thousands of years. And yeah, I just think it's a it's a cool idea to to have them, you know, uh, be different than or that. Be kicking around, yeah, exactly, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down with
0: that. Now, now, what's a wh- what is your favorite experience? If you guys have to think about like a, a gaming moment, favorite experience w- when you thought dwarves were done well, uh, it could be a game you ran or a, a, someone else. Anytime you think dwarves were really done well, wh- wh- what do you think it is? Hmm. And I'll go first if you guys want to think
2: about it. Well, I, I in uh, in a, uh, a recent not not too distant campaign. Um, I had uh, some dwarves, and this was inspired actually by the player who came up with some of the ideas behind it. Uh, dwarves nice. as farmers; the, these these were farmer dwarves in the hills, and uh, they had nothing to do with mining at all. They were mm-hmm. just farmers, and so the, interesting, yeah. yeah. So it, it was just a very uh, a very sort of different uh, take on them. Now they had they they knew of their mining relatives, you know, in in, in far in the west, and and uh, they had originally come from them long ago, but. Um, yeah, no, they, they, it was, they were very, you know, a lot simpler and, uh, that's cool. so they still, they, uh, they worked primarily with carving stones. So they were stone carvers primarily, um, that's and cool. farmers. Uh, so that's, that, that was, that's what they did. They were masons. Cool. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that.
0: that. The, um, uh, I think that probably, and this is not a specific game, but any game that makes me as a player feel like I am standing in a a world that is slightly too short for me. Like if you can somehow describe that, how I can't see my face in the mirror Mm -hmm. uh, in this bathroom or that this toilet is far too low for me or something like it's, I don't know if you want to get into those details in your (laughs) game, but like, but you know what I mean? Like if you can make me feel like this city was made by made for people who are not my size. And I, I think you just, you won me over. Yep.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the one of the cooler things that springs to mind for me, like right away, is um, in uh, Dragon Grin, Tim and James is uh, from mm-hmm. Tabletop Terrors. Their their sort mm-hmm. of uh, campaign world. They have this idea that um, a certain sub race of dwarves, um, they sort of turn to stone when they die they sort Mm -hmm. of allow themselves to become one with the earth and they turn into these statues and uh in a recent game that we played in we were sort of at the site of this big battle between dwarves and gnolls and (coughs) there were these dwarven statues everywhere and we were sort of walking through this valley and there were just these statues like in this like in in these in these scenes of battle you know just like sort of like wheeling back with axes and like locked in combat and we're yep. like all oh, these statues are crazy and then we sort of started to realize that they were dwarves who had like died in battle and turned mm-hmm. to stone and they were left here forever and i like that was just like a really cool sort of interesting concept but it yeah. was still it was still dwarfy like it still seemed dwarfy yeah. to me to have a dwarf like sure. turn to stone when it dies like you know from the earth we came to the earth we will go you know sort of thing like mm-hmm. i just yep. i love that idea this is really cool
0: Uh, so w- what do you guys think about, uh, if you guys want to go around in a in a circle, a proverbial sure. circle, yeah. and c- come up with ways, I think we should come up with ways to spice up a dwarven setting to make it, again, feel like you're in a kind of an unnatural place. Cool. Or a place that you might not belong, unless you're a dwarf. <laughs> so that was Matt.
1: Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a shameless plug here and mention, uh, Stone Rift, the uh, Dwarven City in My Homebrew World of Aranoth. Uh, we actually just came out with a book uh, about Stone Rift on absolutetabletop.com, and you can go check it out, and it's got, uh, tons of different lore about the city and non-player characters and a bunch of new monsters, and there's actually an adventure in the back, uh, that Barker and Tim wrote, uh, super awesome, so go check it out. But, um... One of the things that I like doing is I like... uh, Much like Alex was talking about where you take a dwarf and you... Or dwarven culture and you put them in a new environment. I like taking dwarves and I give them a new resource. So, like, uh, dwarves who use magma in everything. Mm. Like, you know, they use magma for everything. Well, Stone Rift, it's lightning. There's all these lightning storms. And the dwarves live in this canyon that is just constantly plagued by these lightning storms. And so they harness the lightning. They have, you know, these big sort of lightning rods that are sticking out of the side of the canyon and they they utilize that energy in lighting their city in creating armor and weapons you know they forge <laughs> their uh, their tools and their weapons and their armor using this lightning energy and so like I, I see dwarves as very industrious mm. very like sort of opportunistic people by nature and so thinking about okay if I put the dwarves here, Mm -hmm. What resource are they going to be utilizing, you know, aside from just the metals in the earth, but like what, what sort of other things can they utilize? You know, if there's, Mm -hmm. if they live in a, in a land with a bunch of rivers, maybe there's just water wheels everywhere. And it's just like, you know, you walk into this dwarven city and it's literally just water wheels. And maybe they use the water wheels for like transportation and stuff too. Like, just think about like what what resources are here for the dwarves to be able to utilize in their everyday life because yep. they and how would it will. affect
0: the dwarves as a people? Yeah, like yeah. what does
1: their culture look like as a result of that?
0: That I think that sounds nice. awesome. Yeah, I like that. I I uh I, I like seeing uh I don't know how to describe it or a word for it, but it's having uh, one for the dwarf and one for the taller folk. Like, basically in Lord of the Rings, where the guy hears a knock on the door and he checks, he opens the little slider and he looks out the gate, doesn't <laughs> see anybody, and then he opens the slider that's Hobbit sized, <laughs> right, right. and he sees the Hobbits. Or the, yeah, I love that. Uh, we have nice Hobbit sized beds. or Hobbit sized rooms for you. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea that maybe in Stone Rift, the lift, this massive elevator, has two sets of buttons where you select which floor you want to go to. <laughs> one on, that's dwarf height and one that it's not, or you know, <laughs> so I, find a way to include, kind of double it up. It's two of the same thing: one for a shorter person and one for a taller person. Yeah. That's I what that. I would do. I love that. Yep, Alex, that actually was you. I didn't make that <gasps> up.
2: <laughs> it was a legitimate I did, one. I didn't expect that. No. Um, <laughs> all right, so so kind of uh, along the same idea, uh, I was thinking like maybe a, a, a race of desert dwarves. Uh, with lots of you know shifting sand and so forth and they uh their specialty is glass. They uh Ooh, they, yeah, they, that's they uh, awesome. they they use they they use these forges to make uh to make the, this this amazing glass. Some some of the glass they make is even strong enough to be weapons. You know, it, it's it looks like glass but it's as hard as steel. And uh mm-hmm. their forges are not, you know, uh you know, fired by coal or wood or anything like that. They use the sun. So you have these massive, like magnifying glasses, almost. You know that that focus the sun into these um, into these forges where they actually uh, melt the glass. And they, you see, you see, they have these like big like uh, welders type goggles they have to wear because it's so bright. Heck yeah, it's so bright in these light forges that they have to you know use that to to to, to heat the glass and, and in a like a inside. massive
0: glass kiln. Right, right, huge and bright but
2: it, but, yeah right but it's so bright it's like this big arc uh like an arc well just you know with with the sunlight being focused through these yeah. uh, all these lenses dude um,
1: i i love that like using the power of the sun to forge weapons is the yeah. coolest thing like that's so yep. neat yeah and you can I'm, already sort I'm big of big on that
0: and i'm big on using the uh like a natural liquid to quench uh hot steel I i love that no matter what the liquid is I just well, they, think
1: it's like that inf- like gives me so many ideas for like, well, they probably like have a whole like, you know, sort of uh, religion devoted to the sun and yeah. their armor yes. would have the symbol of the sun on it and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I just think it, it informs their entire culture. Just that one thing, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. You can think of a holiday where they, they they must set up. They build a massive glass statue that's just like a sphere and uh, on the longest day every year the sun sets right where it lands at that sphere and it burns because of the glass the sun penetrating through the glass it lights Mm -hmm. this one like spot it ignites it on fire or something and that's like a traditional holiday you just branch out from there just from glass (laughs) totally yeah Yay! Post production. <laughs> oh, whoa! Oh, oh, oh. Yay! Post production.
1: Oh man. Um, uh, oh, oh! I was—I had something I was going to talk about. Right. Um, another thing that I think sort of uh, defines dwarves is their enemies, right? I mentioned earlier Mm. that they're really good about holding grudges and they never forgive, they never forget, that sort of thing. Like in the Mm -hmm. Warhammer fantasy universe, the King of the Dwarves literally has a giant book that he writes grudges in. He's like, you know, he doesn't actually (laughs) write this, but he's like, this guy never paid me back for a sandwich I bought him. (laughs) He's like a
0: middle school kid yeah they're they're just the
1: epitome of lawful (laughs) neutral where if anyone slights them they write like here's why they're slighted (laughs) here's what we're gonna do in response and here's (laughs) what they can do to lift the grudge having dwarves be sort of informed or or defined by their enemies whether it be goblins giants orcs elves like whatever it is think not just about dwarves and their culture and the resources that they use and the environment but also like who are they going toe to toe with because i've never seen a fantasy setting in which the dwarves aren't fighting with someone almost yeah. constantly so it's like yeah. what what are yeah. they going to be fighting in your world
2: yeah and, and it kind of helps not to make them you know enemies with the elves i mean because again yeah yeah that, that's been kind of done it's and, true, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely agree with with you that that having having a, a a mortal enemy is a great idea because, like you said, it is going to shape them as well as the environment. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely have that, and and that can be sort of tied into the history. Where you know, where did they come from, and and why are they their enemies? How far the how yeah. far back does this go? Would they would they drive yeah. from the lands or did they drive someone from these lands so they could take them? <laughs> you know, maybe the dwarves yeah. aren't <laughs> the, the good guys in this. Maybe they drove them out so they could have this land. Right. Yes. You know?
0: I think another thing you can do is um <clears throat> plop an arcane university somewhere in your world and make it run almost Completely by dwarves, or have mm. a dwarf be the headmaster of the university in your world—something yeah. that will kind of turn the trope a little bit on its head and make you think, "Oh, wow! You know, this this dwarf must be really, really good at the arcane arts because what's the what's the Spock quote? You have progressed quite far despite your disadvantage. What you know, what <laughs> oh. what disadvantage <laughs> yeah. are you speaking? Right. Yeah, live long and prosper, you bastard! And then he <laughs> walks away and gives him the finger, and then he just... No, I don't know. I I haven't seen the movie. I, I love the Good idea indeed. of like throwing dwarves. You, you mentioned earlier into different locations, but also different mm-hmm. positions uh, in like you know in government and in mm-hmm. uh, just careers that people might uh, of people that the players might encounter along their way through your adventure. Totally,
2: that's an interesting idea too. What you know, uh, experimenting with different government styles like are they, uh, you know, I have a, I'm experimenting in my world now with, with a, having kind of a Republic, you know, because yeah. in, in a lot of fantasy settings, you have, uh, kingdoms and empires and things like that. But I wanted to, you know, have this one area that was sort of more developed. And so, you know, it's, it's a Republic. So, you know, why not yeah. ha- you know, maybe a, a Dwarven Republic of some kind or, or some other, you know, structure that is not typical from what people are used to seeing. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, maybe it's, uh, like, well, like you were saying, Barker, some, you know, a a more tribal structure. Um, You know, why not not something like that? Or, oh, I'm trying to think of something else that would be, uh, that would be really sort of different for them. Um, Well, and... Well, matriarchy, for example. Having, you know, where the, you know, the females are the, are the the ones who lead, and the males are sort of like just the the drones. They're the ones who... Totally. Who do the work, and, and... uh, they're the ones in the mines, perhaps, or doing all the yeah. labor. Yeah,
0: I that love whole that. turning the trope on its head, I think, yeah. uh, idea thing. I think that's that worked really well, Matt. When you made the convocation, yeah, because the convocation. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember. You remember of course you do. Uh, what was the the <laughs> name of the uh, the the high kind of military commander of the convocation? Oh, the Justicar. Um, the Justicar, and you made it. Uh, she was a, a gnome. Yeah, mm-hmm. a gnome woman. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it was just it like <clears throat> it turned the trope on its head. Just immediately instantaneously and i looked at it and i was like i love this this opened yeah. a whole new world it's just a whole new world it's just <laughs> everything all my dreams all happening at once and it's especially yeah, important totally. with dwarves
2: yeah. because dwarves like you know have been probably the least developed of any of the at least typical D fantasy races you yeah i agree well except maybe the the gnomes they probably they're probably the gnomes. They're probably worse off. We should do one for the gnomes at some point, too, by the way. We should, uh,
1: absolutely. I got mark, you know what? Mark, I got a lot that, to talk mark, about when it comes to gnomes.
2: Mark that down. Um, but no, yeah. the, the dwarves are pretty bad, Me too, too. In, that, in that they really haven't been explored, you know, um, not explored enough, but... but uh, They've been troped, man. They've been yeah. caged. Yeah. They've been kept yeah, yeah, in a yeah. cage. Yeah, they, they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't spread their wings to fly. They've been eowlened. Yeah. Metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: people, people are like, uh, uh, you know, are like, oh, the elves in my setting are, you know, they... They ride around on giant bears and they have guns yeah. and you're like, oh, that's cool. What about your dwarves? Oh, they live in the mountains and dig up metal. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, oh, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude, I feel I feel really bad after being in this episode though because my mountain dwarves are straight up mountain dwarves. Hey,
1: but th- the thing is, is like, it, there's metal. nothing wrong with doing that. No, no, no. If you, you know, because I'm sure, Barker, <clears throat> that once we go to like a mountain dwarf city. It's gonna be like, hey, it's pretty cool. Like the dwarves are really neat, and like you know, there's gonna be something unique about it. You're gonna find a way to These do it. These dwarves yeah. are pretty
0: bad. Thanks, guys,
2: for the hospitality. <laughs> oh, <and laughs> but hey, These it's, beds it's, are real comfy. But hey, it's a big world too. Thanks. You could you could have, you could have different dwarves somewhere else too. It, it, exactly. There's, there's, yep. so you can't yes. have, you know, something a more stereotypical dwarf, but there can be others somewhere too.
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you sure. have super stereotypical dwarves, then it'll be cool when the party meets. A member of that race who goes completely against the grain and is totally different, you know, like it. It sets it up for for more uniqueness and more creativity later on, for sure.
2: (laughs) I had a player. I had a player whose dwarf hated being underground. Oh, that's awesome! He he developed this 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 just. It wasn't a phobia, but he just he just hated he hated it. You know, he even be raised in it. He just that's a neat little trope. And and every and every and every time they would like have to go and go underground for some reason, he'd be like. God damn it! And it's just like I hate these places. It's the, wet. It's dark. You know, it's like, complaining Army of the about dead. the whole
0: time. That reminds me of Gimli at the Army of the Dead and Return of the King. Like, oh God, really? Yeah. An elf will go underground, but a dwarf. But it a dwarf
2: will
1: not. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So there's a couple. I want to do a couple ideas we can steal later. So I think we should take some questions yeah. from the listeners. Ooh. Uh, Today's question, uh, the first question, if we answer two, is going to come from a Joseph AG. Uh, And Joseph actually asks a question that I uh, just touched upon a little bit earlier. We'll we'll spend a little more time on it. (laughs) Most adventurers are taller than dwarves. When visiting a dwarven city, what are some ways to incorporate this difference (laughs) into the story without it feeling forced or turning into a joke? Well, (laughs) I I think we should uh, kick it off by just uh, asking yourself how often do tall races come to this dwarven city? Because if yeah, they come yeah. there so often that they're very common to see like elves and humans, then they're going to have tall person amenities, even to the point where it might look like, you know, there are no <coughs> short ceilings yeah. because yeah. even though dwarves are shorter, they don't have to have a shorter ceiling. They can still right. have a, a nice vault. They're, your standard ceiling would be a vaulted ceiling to a dwarf. So in, yeah.
1: uh, in pretty much every like depiction of dwarves I've seen, they go, like, way over the top big, of their cities. Yeah. They're huge. <laughs> like, they look like giants live there, but it's just the dwarves, yeah. you know? And so I think it would be kind of interesting to have a dwarven city that has aspects of it that are yeah. smaller. Like, maybe, like, the noble dwarves, like, have these big, luxurious, sort of, huge hallways and, like, you know, giant doorways and stuff. And then once you go down to, like, I don't know, like, the poor dwarves, like, they <laughs> live in these tiny little hovels and you have to, like, crawl like into Luke them to get inside in inside of... Luke inside of <laughs> Yoda's hut. Inside
0: of Yoda's hut, yeah. <laughs> on Dagobah, yeah. Cooking like, that like gross in your stew head.
1: on the fire. Yeah, exactly. That's like, a, I, that's I, I a really
2: good idea. I just think that's a good cool idea. Yeah. Well, well I'll I'll look look.
0: consider that dwarves would probably be... That, that dwarven settlement would be a little bit isolated, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah? they wouldn't have so much tall population that they would
2: need to change. Well, I was going to say, another way to think about it, too, is uh, maybe they have like an outer area where they allow guests and, and, and merchants to come in to sort of, like, trade and that sort of thing. Yeah. But then they have their more, you know, the private area, you know, of the city that is smaller. Because, from, again, from a, from a tactical or strategic standpoint, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, most of their enemies would be bigger than them. So you yes. want to you make your tunnels as small as possible because, you know... Ogres oh. and, and uh, even even humans to some extent are not going to be able to fight in those places. You know, if, if yeah, your
0: battering if, ram is too large for this tiny door, <laughs> this, <laughs> well, this tiny gate.
2: I mean, imagine you know you're you're you know you're between uh, five and a half, six feet tall, and you're having to walk through five foot, you know, tunnels. Yet you're hunched down. You're, you you can't use your bow. You can't use your sword. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. it just makes you know from a defensive standpoint it a lot easier to fight because now these big folks yeah. are trying to make their way in. Now, if they, if they have an army of conscripted, uh, hobbits, you may be in trouble, but yeah. <laughs> that's true.
0: I think that, I think that's a good idea for a nice encounter. Like a cool yeah. combat encounter is in a shorter area where your enemies are, uh, the right size and you are just a little bit too big. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and, the, and they could have that as sort of like a, a, a valve. So even if they want to build a big city, they could have this one area where all the tunnels get small. You know, and that's sort of their, mm-hmm. their choke point where if an enemy tried to come in, they, they can, you know, they can get him stuck in these tunnels and just start, you know, pouring hot oil, lava, whatever, into Oh, it. man. Yeah. <laughs> just Yeah. Roast him. Uh, another thing might be to give them a different sort of prof- uh, core profession rather than like mining or forging. Mm-hmm tax preparation well maybe yeah, maybe yeah. alchemy you know may- alchemy is a good one
0: actually that's a really good you know, idea may- maybe they yeah.
2: access uh, so many different ores and 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 uh uh elements and, th- and so forth that they've learned to you know use them in these alchemical uh, uh brews so they've just become experts in these alchemical so you go into the and in, into this uh dwarven uh city or settlement and and there are just you know massive vats of of bubbling liquids and and just all kinds of things like that
0: yeah i love that and and dwarves kind of lend themselves to that style too Mm. so yeah Yeah. that's a nice subtle little change absolutely
1: i think in uh, one of my favorite examples is in in dragon age in the world of thetis there's uh these surface dwarves Mm. that uh belong to these like really powerful merchant's guilds and they have, like, just crazy connections and, like, network networks of informants and merchants and traders and things like that. And, like, it's interesting because you can go to dwarves for, like, you know, hey, I need to get in touch with someone or, uh, you know, I need to offload some of this illegal stuff or whatever. And, like, if you want to do that kind of stuff, like, the dwarven merchants guilds are where you go. And I think that that's sort of an interesting take where you make the dwarves a little bit more, like, social and more, like, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, like, almost like spy master type uh, mm-hmm. Characters, yeah. but they still yep. feel dwarfy. Like they don't not yep. feel like dwarves anymore. You know.
0: I, th- I think that's great. Kind of putting them in, into a more yeah. uh, uh, even just political intrigue type of setting. <laughs> oh God!
1: Uh-oh. Oh. Oh jeez! Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry <laughs> because you turned away from the microphone, it sounded like you were being taken. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like the like the, uh, the War of the Worlds aliens right, just crashed yeah. through my
1: window and yeah. pulled me up with their tentacles. Because <laughs> it sounded like you're really distant, and you went, oh, oh, Jesus, God. oh, God,
0: no! Did that
2: work? Is that, is that all right?
0: Yeah, that
1: was good. That was good. Okay, good, good.
0: I think we should make an idea that people can steal.
1: I think games. we should.
2: And now Roll Up and Die presents An Idea You Can Steal I have been excited this for uh, Excited this for
0: a while I've been excited (laughs) for this for a while uh, To make a new race Of dwarves with you guys It's unique Uh, Interesting Uh, And then I have a special request afterwards if that's okay Yeah uh, but let's weird. go around in a circle, and I'm going to start. I'm going to roll. Matt, you are one and two. I am three and four. Alex, you are five and six. I'll be right there in between you two. That is a six. So, Alex, ah, k- okay. kick it off. Start okay. us off.
2: Well, I'm gonna. I want to pick a different environment that we haven't like touched on yet. So, I'm gonna go yeah. for uh, rainforest. Like, oh, that's uh, awesome. And, but I want But I want I, I don't want to go for jungle rainforest. I want to go for like, um, uh, like. Uh, uh oregon sort of rainforest you know with yeah uh, huge uh redwoods that type of trees temperate
1: rainforest man's i love it yeah yeah
2: so uh yeah so it's they're 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 in a temperate rainforest and uh i don't know if i want to go with this but i'll say that they are um uh that they dwell mainly above ground so above ground temperate rainforest (laughs)
0: This, uh, just you describing this for some reason reminded me of an old Paul Newman movie called "Sometimes a Great Notion" that my dad mm-hmm. showed me when I was a kid, probably too young. but I like the idea that all these dwarves are loggers
2: mm
1: okay
0: uh, and that's very dangerous work and very procedural work and very accidents happen and that uh, that that's, that might even be kind of a part of their culture is one of the one of the nPCs went out logging. Uh, just to do their duty and never came back, you know, is the f- you know, first, first person this year, you know, won't be the last this month kind of thing type of just to, to, to show just how dangerous <coughs> this job really mm. is. Cause these trees are massive.
1: So I think uh, the trees are sort of like a, it's almost like an iron bark sort of substance where uh, the trees, uh, the the wood from these trees is sort of, it's light, it's pliable like wood, but it's like kind of hard like steel too. And so yeah. they, you can sort of make armor and things like that from this, or like, you know, really strong, resilient structures from this ironwood. And so the dwarves sort of, you know, they don't mine it, but they are, like you said, Barker, they're logging this ironwood stuff. And I think that um, maybe the big sort of threat to them are yeah. uh, apes, um, these big sort of Stone Age technology apes that are using like spears and things like that and uh, I just like the idea of like dwarven loggers like you know they have special rigged gear so they can get up into the tree and like you know cut the cut the branches off and sort of um I imagine they don't they don't fell the trees from the bottom. They go up and they chop off rounds from the top and work their way down because it's much safer to do it that way.
2: Oh yeah. And
1: you know the dwarf is up there in his rigging. He's all like hanging from the top of the tree, you know, and he's and he's chopping pieces off And, you know, an ape just grabs him and pulls him, you know, and just yanks him into the jungle. And, you know, you just hear him Barker style, like, oh, no, you know, just like going off into the distance. And uh, I just I love the idea that like the the loggers are having to constantly like because they're essentially they're going and they're cutting down the apes home Mm. to make armor and weapons and structures and things like that. And so they're they're constantly having to fend off these uh, sort of, you know, uh, sapient uh, apes.
2: I can yeah, imagine, I can imagine sure. some cool architecture too, where they, they're really amazing uh, woodworkers and carvers. So you have these totally, these, yes. these awesome wooden structures with arches and and uh, uh, images sort of carved into them, and uh, even the armor sort of carved in these in these intricate patterns and shapes. And yeah. uh, and and they would of course have to have uh, and an, you know these amazing dwarven druids who would be uh, yeah uh, part of this you know who. Uh, tend to the trees and, and help them grow even and, and uh, shape help our, our experts in shaping the wood, that kind of thing.
0: The the favorite that I wanted to ask you guys was mm-hmm. uh, that I'm looking for a Dwarven NPC. Mm-hmm. And oh, I mm-hmm. would like to go around in a circle uh, however many times you guys want. And I have sure. the first thing, because I only know one thing about him, but I'm going to include him in the next Winds of Sursaline game. Oh, cool. Ooh, and cool. I'm really excited about him. Hmm. The The one thing I will say about this person is that he... Is uh, a translator. I translator, really like the idea okay. that this person translated mm-hmm. uh, a a language of a specific tribe of other mountain dwarves. Mm-hmm. And during this massive battle, 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 debatto, the <coughs> battle of Hallow Hall, uh, that entire tribe, while they were there on some sort of congress or whatever, was killed. So he's the only person. He's a translator. He's the only person who speaks a dead language now. Uh-oh. So I just like that. Idea. I'm not sure what we would do with it, so okay. I'm going to roll this die, and that's going <laughs> to go to Alex to add to this person.
2: Okay. So uh, obviously he's a, he's a scholar of, of of languages, and particularly that language, and so he would definitely feel sort of this this uh, uh, duty, this uh, uh, obligation to to retain this language, and so um, uh, perhaps he is. Uh, um, trying to um write it down that's that's kind of his goal is to make sure he documents the entire language uh including things like getting the uh the phonetics right and that sort of thing so he's sort of obsessed with trying to uh preserve this 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 language at all cost
0: that's cool i love that sense of duty that makes a lot of sense and i can i can roll with that too
1: Uh, Nope, that's it. All right, I guess we're good. Okay, all right, cool. Sounds good, (laughs) Matt. (laughs) Um, So I think like the main, the biggest thing. The biggest trait about this dwarf is that he wants to give Orin five thousand gold I pieces. I knew
0: you were going to say that. I
1: knew
2: it. I was waiting for it. I was like, the biggest trait,
1: and I
0: was like, he's either going to say give Orin a I bunch get... of money, or he's going to say clarity and transparency.
1: Oh man, that was that would have been a good one too. We'll do we'll yeah. do two takes. You can pick I, the best one. post.
2: I am sensing a conflict of interest here. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I can't
1: create an NPC for a campaign in which I am a player. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um <laughs> I think that this dwarf so he's a scholar, he's just he's devoted to this this duty, this this need to preserve this language. Um I think that he he is constantly overshadowed by his brother who is a famed warrior, someone who is just you know, one of the best fighters in this culture of dwarves and even though this translator is doing really really worthwhile uh work that will probably you know be more beneficial to people in the future uh Mm -hmm. his brother is constantly being lauded as you know the superior uh the superior dwarf for his fighting prowess oh Mm. i like that okay very cool
2: um, awesome. Well, I, th- thank you. Oh, go ahead. Actually, I, I was going to say I don't know how significant the characters. Are, uh, so, uh, if this doesn't nice. work, just uh, uh, dismiss it. But um, maybe in in his research, he he finds that uh, uh, maybe there is an outpost of these dwarves. You know, uh, rumored to exist in some of these writings that he's been trying to translate, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and oh, and, that's may-
0: perfect. Maybe he trying uh, to find the lost tribe type of thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, maybe maybe he realizes suddenly in his obsession that they're not. They may not be the last ones. You know.
0: Awesome. I love that. I so, love it a lot because uh, it's something that is very useful in this game. It'll be fun to enter into, and but it won't hog up any spotlight from any players. Yeah. That yeah. sounds fun. Cool. Thanks, guys, for talking about dwarves. I feel like someday <laughs> we'll probably do a part two whenever we're ready to talk about dwarves again. Just, it's just one it, of those uh... big subjects.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like the idea of, of occasionally just taking on one of the big fantasy races and just yeah. kind of talking it out and throwing some ideas out there and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, seeing the different ways that we can we can make them new and unique and still retain their character.
2: Yeah, no, and I wasn't kidding about gnomes. I think I think they get they get a bum rap, and, and I think I uh, agree they they would be a good one to to take on. So I am a convert. If uh, if you if listen, listeners if you if you, know you agree like with them. us, then uh, if you agree with that sentiment, then please let us know if you think we should never talk about gnomes ever, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, then let us know that too.
0: Well, I mean, someday we're just going to be like, I have no more topics. The, the topics I have, no more have, topics. I just have gnomes. We, that's just all we gnomes. got. No There's
1: literally th- nothing else we could talk We've, about.
0: There, we, there are as many roll up and die episodes
1: as there are Hindu gods. The year is twenty one fifty eight. Roll up and die is recording their gnome episode.
0: <laughs> These are their stories. I don't know why These I went in order with it. <laughs> <laughs> This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolute tabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive Through RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on facebook.com slash rollupanddie, iTunes, and rollupanddie.podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always,
2: happy gaming.